Welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We're two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Meredith Hine, and I'm so excited to be joined by my co-host, Kelsey Trainer. Hello, and good morning, good evening, good afternoon to anybody listening. Uh, we're going to kick things off today with news from the French Open. Um, and Meredith, if, if you want to kind of take away the background here, there is so much to talk about and so much to unpack. Yeah. So you've probably heard the news sweeping the tennis world that Naomi Osaka, who is, you probably know, as the champion of four Grand Slam events, including most recently the Australian Open, has chosen to withdraw from the French Open. Um, Osaka last week was fined $15,000 for refusing to speak to the media after the first round of the open. Um, and then when she continued to face backlash and the threats of more fines, she just decided to withdraw entirely, uh, creating absolute waves in the tennis world. So you might wonder why Osaka refused to speak to the media in the first place. And it's the same reason that a lot of us would probably choose not to be grilled by reporters after wins, after losses in any given situation. And that is her mental health. I cannot. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's, there's so, so much, much to unpack here. here. Um, so I guess my, my first question to you, and <laughs> even though this is not an interview, I'm going to do it like one. What was your first reaction when you saw um, Naomi's original note that she was not going to be speaking to reporters for her mental health purposes. What was your initial reaction? So my first thought was, oh, we've seen this before. This is what happened with Marshawn Lynch. And no, Marshawn Lynch, you know, he didn't cite mental health, but he cited, you know, his anxiety over, well, that is mental health. He cited his anxiety um, over speaking with reporters, how he felt uncomfortable doing it, um, and how this is kind of a parallel of how he continued to get fined. He continued to get in trouble. Um, and yet we're continuing to subject, especially very young athletes to this grilling by media who are basically like, it's a 24 hour news cycle, even in sports, they're looking for a story. They're looking for someone to say something spicy. I agree with you. And, and I say my first reaction was good for her. Right. Like that was my first initial innate reaction to what her when she said she wasn't going to be speaking to, to the media. I was like, good for her for protecting her peace. Um, yes. And, and then I went on to social media, which is always a mistake. Um, and the reaction and the backlash that I saw on there. And, and I will say, I think a good majority of people, at least that I follow, and maybe that just means I have a, a good curated timeline. Um, <laughs> a majority of the people were supportive, but then you had people and people in the media, you know, really taking issue with that, this. Um, and so that was a, a, an interesting reaction that I didn't necessarily expect. Um, and then of course you had the following reaction from, tennis, right? Uh, the, from the French Open and from the other uh, major Grand Slam tournaments, um, where they basically fined her that $15,000. Um, and they threatened further fines. And not just that, but they threatened possible like suspension from other Grand Slam tournaments. Um, and that in and of itself, like took me back. I just I couldn't mm -hmm. believe it. Because you know, I've seen this kind of floating around there, but if an athlete is injured physically in any way, shape or form, they're not showing up to do post-match press conferences or pre-match anything. Like if an athlete is physically injured, 
that is totally okay. And we totally understand it. And there's no issue or backlash or anything like that um, about them talking to the media because it's, you know, this physical injury that you can see. Um, but just how, just the reaction, because this was, you know, quote, mental health, like it was just absolutely, it, it was kind of, it was horrifying to me and it, it really didn't make any sense. Um, and so then the end result was <laughs> Naomi basically saying, you played yourself, you know, to tennis, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I don't think that was her intention because she said that she's so, she's so introverted and shy and she gets anxious. I don't think her intention, and, and I could totally be wrong because I do know that she's a very strong, um, uh, intelligent woman who, you know, perhaps maybe is like, stick it, stick it to the man. Um, but I think that this was really about protecting her mental space um, and not necessarily about sticking it to the man. But, you know, then she ended up saying withdrawing from the tournament, which yeah. you know, has the t one of the top tennis players in the world. Um, man, imagine it's if they had loss. just. Yeah, it's the French Open's loss. Yeah. When you say there was backlash, what one of the people who actually I won't say she lambasted. Naomi, but Billie Jean King, the former tennis great, was one of those who basically said that this is an athlete's responsibility when you have this stage and you have so many people looking at you, this is a chance to grow tennis. And what was so interesting about that, uh, the more that I read up on Naomi is she's really like, she is bigger than tennis right now. She has $50 million in sponsorships. Yep. Like the top, not yeah. only she's, she's, at the top of her game, she's at the top of the sport and she is a widely recognized figure outside of the field of tennis. She's already growing tennis in the way that Tiger Woods grew golf. And yeah. so for people to say that she somehow owes this to tennis, like, no, she's done enough and tennis can take it or they can leave it. And she's made very clear that she holds the power in this situation. So seriously good for her. Yeah. And you know, I saw Billie Jean King's, I saw her tweet and I saw her comment on that. And Part of me had to take it with a grain of salt because of, you know, the era that Billie Jean King came from and where she played and what she had to do to grow the game, you know, and that's how it was. Um, and that's something that I can understand is her perspective on where she was coming from. I do not agree with, you know, her commentary on it. Um, but I think that's kind of a, an, an important in context um, to note that like the types of athletes and how especially women athletes in the past have had to grow the game right um whereas the new age of the athlete like you said uh naomi osaka has what 50 million dollars in um outside sponsorships um she doesn't need to grow the game she doesn't need to do anything and she doesn't owe anybody anything um no athlete does no no <laughs> you know that's a whole broader discussion but athletes do not owe fans they do not owe media anything. Now, there's the the whole other discussion of, you know, well, the fans pay for them to uh, make all that money and watch their games. And, and that's a totally oh, separate conversation. Me. But that's like a separate conversation. But in terms of access to their lives, um, you know, getting to know information about them 24-7, athletes do not owe anybody anything in that regard. Um, and so... Yeah, I definitely, uh, I was taken aback a bit by Billie Jean King's statement. Um, 
But I think that it is important to note the context of, of where she came from. And, and quite frankly, that way of thinking is just in the past, especially with women athletes. You're absolutely right. And, you know, I, I hope what we ultimately get to is a realization of like it just because it was done that way in the past doesn't mean that's how it should be in the future. Um, and again, there's a few other things that I want to unpack here. And this is specific to tennis um, and the world that Billie Jean King grew up in uh, and is speaking about now. So tennis is obviously a country club sport. It is limited in who can play it by who can essentially afford to go to places with tennis courts, get the equipment, get the lessons, which are not open and available to folks in the way that other sports might be. Right. Um, and so, you know, when you see people at the French open who are making comments about Naomi and what is expected of her in this world that goes basically has stigmas that go beyond what happens on the tennis court. Um, so just as an additional example, um, do you remember when Serena Williams wore, it was basically a bodysuit, but people called it a cat suit. Yes. The I think infamous it was a cat yes. suit. It was amazing. Yes. It was incredible. Um, you know, the grand slam organizers came out and were like, Oh yes, we understand, you know, it was such a symbol or whatever, but we're not going to be allowing clothing like that again. And it's for, Organizers to be dictating what kind of clothing you can wear is just a little bit challenging for me to accept. It's not like it's a uniform. It's not like it's something that, um, you know, improves your performance. Additionally, the purpose of the catsuit was to improve Serena's blood flow after giving birth to her child because which she, she had, had, yeah, after she had like strokes, pulmonary <laughs> right. embolisms. Um, so it was literally something that she did for her health. And it was also like just a very cool statement. Um, and so you see tennis organizers picking on people like Naomi and picking on people like Serena Williams, who were really doing things to bring the game to a broader audience because it feels like they want to keep it yeah. right and to not a to not a primarily you know white audience right like we haven't even talked about it the uh, you know the fact that she is a black woman and the pressure and the um the racism and uh, you know that it exists in within you know sports such as tennis that are you know like you said kind of country club you know sports. Um, and I think that's important. And, you know, going back to Naomi and, you know, what she has dealt with within tennis, I was at the U S open, um, in the final for her versus Serena Williams, uh, when Serena Williams was docked a, what was it? A point or a match or something like that. Oh um, yeah. When she was arguing with the official and right. yet, on the men's side, people were throwing rackets and throwing fits and didn't get any such. Absolutely. Punishment. And I was in that, I was in that stadium, um, you know, out in, uh, out at, uh, the U S open. And I can tell you that the noise, because Serena Williams at that point had been just so loved, uh, by fans and, you know, she's the goat, right. Um, I can tell you the noise and the people who were booing, Naomi Osaka at such a young age um, in that arena was deafening. I was embarrassed to be there. I actually left early, uh, which 
you know, at the end, uh, I wish I hadn't left because it was, you know, an outstanding um, kind of to see her win that. Um, but that's a young woman in that global environment being booed by thousands of people, all because she's a young woman who's talented, who was beating the GOAT, Serena Williams. Um, and, you know, it had nothing, part of that was played, part of what played into that was the fact that, you know, Serena did get docked, um, you know, a match or, or a point for by that referee. Um, but even before that, Naomi was, she was winning, right? Like she, she was up pretty big. Yeah. Um, and so I cannot imagine, I mean, I can't even handle when like, you know, somebody on the street honks at me sometimes. Um, so to be booed and to face that level of scrutiny and, um, just it, it, I can only imagine it's absolutely debilitating. And that's just one example. Um, and so the pressure that she has had to deal with and the anxiety and the, just the, you know, outside influence that has just been, I think, gross, um, is, is magnified tenfold. Um, and I, I don't think that people like people forget the humanity of athletes. Like they're human beings, they're people, you know, if you've ever met a professional athlete or an actor or whatever, like you look at them and you soon very much realize, even though they are these, you know, outstanding at at their craft, they are very much human beings. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, we cannot forget. Yeah. And I think that really wraps up kind of this last, you know, big bucket of points with the bow is mental health and sports. And for Naomi to literally call it out and say that she, you know, it's, it's a cause and effect. She is not doing this particular thing because it impacts her mental health and to have the courage to say that I think was really incredible. Um, but I also think to your point, we need to recognize that as fans generally, as I, I mean, I'm not a professional athlete, Kelsey, I, you're not either. No, We're I'm certainly the, not. <laughs> comparatively, we are basically couch potatoes. Yes. Uh, but, you know, for any of us as average sports fans to be critiquing the life that athletes have to live, um, the reality that they do have to go and basically perform in front of thousands of people every time they go in, you know, do their craft, and then they have to speak to the media about it. As you said, we need to do a better job of remembering that these athletes are people. Athletes are people too. I would get nervous to play in like a high school championship game in front of like 100 people. Like I cannot imagine playing in front of thousands of people and then being the absolute best at what you do. Um, and then having the pressure and the expectation from sponsors, from people who don't even know you, who want something, et cetera. Um, so I, I was, my initial reaction was good for her. Um, my reaction after she withdrew was also good for her, but de- like devastated for her that she had to do that because of, um, you know, tennis not taking care of her. Um, and yep. so I don't know. It's obviously sparked a conversation, um, but I don't think it's a conversation that is complex in terms of how in terms of how we handle it. You know, I think we handle mental health the same way we would handle you know, any other type of health issues and we are supportive and, you know, and I'm saying we as, as, as tennis and the powers that be. 
Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And I definitely wish Naomi all the best, um, because, you know, she didn't have to come out and, and, and do all that. Um, but you know, it's a hard thing, I guess, to have to come out and, and explain your depression and anxiety to millions of people across the world. I agree. One million percent. Well, we we do have another story about another outspoken young woman in sports coming up after the break. Uh, we're just going to step away for a second. So stay with us. All right. Welcome back, everyone. We're going to move from the tennis world to the NBA playoffs. Um, and this is a personal favorite story of mine. The New York Post published a story this week about my dear friend, Pepper Pursley. She is a budding broadcaster who is getting her first playoff experience calling the Clippers Mavs game. Um, and just a note, uh, she's only 10 years old. <laughs> um that happened, I believe that was last night. Uh, so that was Wednesday Wednesday night she called the game. Um, and just a little bit of background on Pepper Pursley. Pepper has been doing a Instagram Live called Dish with Pepper, very creative, I know, um, for the past year uh, with WNBA and uh, NWSL players. Um, and she's had, you know, some of the best on um out there. She's had NECA. She's had Brianna Stewart. She's had everybody. Um, and she also writes for a number of different publications. She was featured in Sports Illustrated. Um, and she is in every post-game press conference on the Zooms asking questions. And I mean, she's asking the tough questions. Um, she asked Diana Taurasi right after the, um, the NCAA tournament when it was uh, an issue on whether or not um, UConn players fou uh, fouled um, Baylor players. And, <laughs> you know, she got right to it. She asked Diana Taurasi, was it a foul or not? Now Diana Taurasi is famously a, uh, a UConn uh, champion. Um, and Diana came right out with it. was like, wow, Pepper, that's a, that's a hard question. Um, and she's also been very active. Um, she is a young black girl and she's been very active in um, asking questions on, um, social justice issues, which, uh, you know, I, I wish she, she didn't have to ask, but she's a superstar. That that's all I can say. It's been so fun to follow her, um, and see what she's doing. Um, and so not only is she involved in the WNBA, but now look at her, she's <laughs> calling NBA playoff games. Uh, and it's absolutely incredible. I love this. I love everything about this. Um, one of the things that I wanted to highlight is Pepper is part of this broader and budding movement to make sports accessible to actual kids, like adolescents. Um, and so we saw Nickelodeon had broadcasts of the NFL playoffs this year, um, that were geared towards kids. Um, and so it's very cool that Pepper is sort of at the forefront of this movement in the NBA and WNBA and bringing already diverse voices to kids who are watching sports. Um, cause you know, the obvious goal is to make kids into sports fans. Right. And so to see, the the commentators and the voices who are being part of that and bringing sports to kids are, you know, the voices that we want 
that are more representative of, you know, who's playing sports and who's interested in sports, I think is very cool. I encourage anybody listening to please go follow or look at Dish with Pepper or Team Persley on, um, on Twitter, Instagram, because it like, it's not, it's not a scenario where you just have like a kid who is, happens to be like involved, right? She's not just like a kid in there, like, you know, asking questions. She is a 10 year old journalist. Uh, she takes her job very seriously. She loves it. Um, and she does her research. She does her homework. Um, and she is widely respected, especially in the women's basketball community by every single player and coach. No one treats her like a kid, um, in terms of how they answer her questions. Um, because what you can see, I mean, she shows up to these post game press conferences more prepared. Um, than some journalists who have been in the game for a long time. Um, and so it's just so, it's just so fun. It's like, it's not like, it's not like you're looking at the future, like you're looking at the now. Um, and it's just, it's so encouraging. I wish I had her courage and her charisma and her, um, discipline at 10 years old, um, because she's also a well-rounded kid. She's going out, she plays softball, basketball, uh, she plays the violin, does, karate, et cetera. Like she is just loving it. Um, and she just loves sports, um, especially women's sports. So it's so fun to see. And, um, she's so intelligent and highly entertaining. Well, now she can be an example for other 10 year olds too, which is pretty cool. She's an example for me that, I mean, I'm 31 and I, I look up to her. I'm not like, I'm not over here thinking that I'm a mentor to her or anything. I'm looking at her as somebody that I look up to. I'm literally so jealous that you know her. Hey, maybe we can get her on the podcast one day. Oh my gosh, I would die. <laughs> I think it has to happen for sure. We'll have to check with her uh, with her busy schedule, but I love it. it. I love it. Um, we'll have to wait till, well, maybe after the WNBA season is wrapped up, but uh, fingers crossed that we can make it happen. So that's what we've got for today. Before we wrap up the show, Kelsey, shall we do our shout out? Yeah, I'm going to bring us back to the uh, back to the beginning and just shout out Naomi, Naomi Osaka for having the courage to protect herself and protect her peace and her mental health. Um, it takes I know that, you know, she is somebody who is introverted and, and you know, gets anxious and feels a lot of anxiety Um, But she's also setting an example of how to prioritize yourself. um, And that is incredibly courageous. um, And I'm thankful and and shout out to Naomi. Yeah, I completely agree. I know we shouted him out. uh, Tia and I have shouted him out previously on the show. But uh, one more shout out to Matt Tiamanini. Obviously, listeners do not know this, but Matt was on with Kelsey and I early this morning to figure out how to improve our audio uh, for our recording. Um, And thanks to him for always being willing to take the time to help us improve um, and also for connecting us so that we could do the show together. Um, Yeah, I think that's it. Major shout out to Matt. Many, many may not know this, but Matt has saved my life a time or two. So I, I second that. All right. 
right. That's all we've got for today. As a reminder, you can follow Kelsey on Twitter at KTrain underscore 11, me at Meredith Hine, and the site at LandGrant33. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl. And as always, go Bucks.